Here we go, folks. Back once again. Hope everyone had a nice Labor Day weekend. This episode's coming out a little bit later than you're used to. I hope um, the delay does not make you think less of us. Us? You might ask, who's us? Who are? Who is this guy? What's going on? A podcast? I think I read about those on Wikipedia, but what exactly are they? Well, I'm happy to tell you what they are. You see, you're listening to my voice right now, either through your headphones or your Bluetooth speaker, or you're bumping us on your car stereo as you drive slowly down the main drag looking at pretty teenage girls because you're the high school football captain. Anyway, that's called a podcast. Guys talking to you. Well, my name is Kid Midas, and I've been known to be called the original wave rider, so I suppose that's what you can call me. It's on my business card, and yes, I still have business cards. You could say I still live in the 20th century. However, I am joined by someone who lives concurrently to your ass, and that's John Kimball from North Carolina. Hi, John. Hey, David. How are you doing? That was quite an intro. You're right there. Take a drink of water. That was one for the Hall of Records. I'll say. What an idiot I am. Do you really have a business card? I would love to have a business card again. I haven't had a business card in years and years. But I do think it's kind of effective. I was thinking about it the other day. I mean, you just run into somebody and you're like, uh, just look me up on Twitter. What do you suppose? I think handing a business card is really nice. Or why don't you look for me on LinkedIn? Uh, no, thanks. Yeah. A business card is, you know what? Maybe we should, maybe our next fundraising appeal should be business cards for us. Yeah, that's right. Let's try to raise some money so we can print up some nice business cards that say, yours can say John Kimball, <laughs> podcast host. Wouldn't that be yeah. nice? Uh-huh. Yeah. Would you put your actual phone number on it or just your Twitter account? No, I'd put my phone number on it. I mean, it's useless if you call it. So Why? I don't answer my phone. Okay. Well, let's get some business cards done up. Okay. Great. Add Vista one to print. the old Rolodex. What? I used to have a Rolodex. Yeah. Rolodex is, for the younger listeners, a Rolodex was a a filing system for index cards and contact information. You would keep it on your desk. And then when you're, if you were a temp, like I used to be, your boss would say, David, give me the, give me the, give me the number for Henry Higgins. I'd go to the H's. Of course, he wasn't listed under the H's because of my Cockney accent. I'd have to go to the I's for Henry Higgins. And then I'd find the number and I'd say, Oi, Henry Higgins' number is 9ZZ223334Z. Because yeah, you know how in England right. they don't understand what zeros are and they call them that's Z. That's right. Or the you Z's. You probably have to put the country code in there. Country code. Yeah, 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, Z-4-4 four, four or something. Speaking of know. England and speaking of um, I my used fair lady, England has a new fair lady. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, then my Rolodex, a, I ro- oh my can God. I just talk about my Rolodex? <laughs> it was, I, I and I didn't know anybody important because I was in high school. Oh, you had one in high school? Yeah. Oh, was it like your teachers? You put their names yeah, in there? No, I guess I put my friends' names in there, you know. But then I worked at WCHL, nonstop Chapel Hill, AM 1360, and I would I would steal numbers out of WCHL's Rolodex that was just in the newsroom. To, to boost so, your own Rolodex to make you yeah, seem more powerful Yeah, so I had like, you know, the AP Bureau Chief in Washington in my Rolodex. I had some I had some like high level, at least what I thought at the time were high level. I don't know if I ever used them, but did you ever call any of the numbers or was it just like more to just to have them? You collected them. I don't them. know if I I don't know if I did. But if I but if you found that Rolodex, 
You know, like a hundred years from now, you'd be like, oh, this guy was pretty plugged in. You'd be like, this guy must have been either the editor in chief of the New York Times or maybe the Secretary of State. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's so, get back to the fair. <laughs> yeah, get back to the fair lady. Liz Truss, mm-hmm. congratulations, is the new leader of the Conservative Party and I guess the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Is that true? Can that be true, John? Is Boris Johnson finally gone? I don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway, uh, Liz Truss, um, we, we send our congratulations to you and we send our congratulations to all of our listeners over there on the um, British Isles. And uh, we just wish everyone the best. And we think she's going to do a great job. We're a huge booster of her and her policies, of which we uh, have exhaustive knowledge. And um, I am looking now on Predict It because I don't think they they weren't able to have a market about this, were they? Uh, no, no. They're no the new predicted things are sort of frozen right now right. because of the CFTC. Meanwhile, I noticed that, of course, my legendary position in Will Trump be indicted by September 1st has, alas, closed out. I know. Representing a loss of more than $20 for Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider. Uh, because, in fact, Trump was not indicted by September 1st. And, in fact, mere days after September 1st, he was given a little bit of a gift from a Federalist Society judge whom he himself appointed. John, in the... In the area of something called a special master, ooh, Fifty Shades of Grey, do go on, Red Room of Pain very much. Did you ever read that book, Fifty Shades uh, of Grey? No. Mm. I read it. Um, John, what's going on with this special master? And does this mean that Trump's going to get away with it again? I don't think so, but uh, I wouldn't blame anybody for thinking that. But I think you know a special master has been appointed, not a, a specific one yet. It's just one, a, a specific person will be appointed. And she's saying that will happen. And then uh, they will go through all of the documents unless the, the Department of Justice appeals, which apparently that might be risky because then it could end up in front of the US Supreme Court and they could slow walk it and take a long time. And that would help right. Trump. This is not great just because it co- it's going to cause a major delay for the government. Uh, in the end, it might not be enough for Trump. We'll have to find out what her specific uh, guidelines are for what the special master will be doing. That I'm not a lawyer. This is just what all the, the smart lawyers say on, on um, social media. Based on your big Rolodex story, it sounds like you're one of the most powerful attorneys in the United yeah. States. Yeah. So it's... um. It's exciting, whatever it is, you know. This whole story is extremely exciting, the Mar-a-Lago document stuff. Every new development kind of just adds to a level of excitement. Yeah, I'm convinced now he get, he is going to to be indicted. What? what? Uh, yeah, yeah. For I real? Think he'll be in, uh, yeah, I don't know if it will be many years down the line oh. and if it ultimately leads to some sort of conviction, but I think he will be indicted. You don't think it'll happen before the midterms? No, I don't think so. Do you think it'll happen before the 2024? I mean, before he announces? Yes. yes. Really? Yeah. Maybe it happens shortly after the midterm, something oh, like that. Oh, boy. How exciting would that be if he actually was indicted? It'll be great. It'll be exciting for a couple of days, and then we'll move on to something else. But Would you finger through your Rolodex and find the bureau chief of the AP and call him up and be like, hey, just want to let you know that uh, Trump has been indicted. This is a major story, and I think you guys should do blanket I might. coverage. I bet I, I still have that Rolodex. 
We should start calling the numbers on that Rolodex. That would be a good idea for a podcast. It's called the 30-year-old Rolodex. And you just go through it and you call people and say, see if they still work at their job, see if the number is still good, see if they've moved up in the company or if they're doing something else entirely or perhaps they've passed away, you know, to heaven. That's a great Uh, idea. Yeah, it could be called the 30-year-old Rolodex. Patreon episode on that. Oh, you know what it could be called if you really wanted to make money? You would call it My Father's Rolodex. It's a podcast. It's hosted by a very sensitive and thoughtful person who's really smart and is published in a lot of prestigious publications. Their father, sadly, passes away, and they never really had a deep connection with their father. So what they do is when they're going through their father's old stuff, they're going through the home office or whatever, they find their father's Rolodex. Their father was in the, some kind of business, okay? He was in a business of some kind. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was in a roofing or maybe he was an attorney or maybe he was an agent for professional basketball players. The point is this kid or this young adult, it has to be a young adult, they make sense of their father's life by going through this old Rolodex and calling every single person in the Rolodex and asking them a simple question, who was my father? Isn't that so interesting? That's not like it a really huge hit podcast. Somebody's going to steal that. Who was my father? And they'll be like, I've been waiting for this call. Your father was the best roofer in the entire Midwest. It was an honor to supply him with slate shingles and synthetic shingles. He was an honest man. He was a straight shooter and a square dealer. And when I read in the Cleveland Plain Dealer of his obituary, his passing, I said, well, the earth just lost one hell of a roofer, but heaven just got one hell of a roofer. And hell still doesn't have any roofers because roofers don't go to hell because roofers are good people. And your father proves that point. Yeah. The Cleveland Plain Dealer. Right. What about the uh, Akron Beacon Journal? I thought it was the Akron Journal Sentinel. Oh, that's Orlando? Uh, it's the Orlando Sentinel. Yes. No, I think Akron is the Beacon Journal. Toledo is the blade. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. That sounds like a WNBA team. Yeah, I like that. All right, let's get back to our podcast. Oh, Election Profit Makers is the name of our podcast, and we're starting the episode now. Hey, big, big, big hot political news. Hit me. Mary Peltola, Alaska native, Democrat, won the special election defeating Sarah Palin. I mean, it was, it feels sort of like old news now, but it, that was shocking. That, that was, was a shocking. week ago today. And the, and, the, and the most shocking thing about it was people that were listening to us had the inside scoop, not not necessarily because of us, but- Kicking myself for selling all those shares save one. I couldn't believe, I just didn't believe that she could pull it off. Let this be a lesson to me. Don't stop believing. We still had like a 5,000% return. You had to sell at that point, right? You didn't want to get greedy, but we shouldn't have sold them all. Didn't you, did you keep one share at least? I had one share, yeah. So you had one share go to 100. Yeah, one single share. I wish I could have it framed or bronzed or placed in my Rolodex. Thanks to Katie, our listener, who gave us the inside scoop from Alaska months ago, Mm -hmm. telling us about Mary Peltola. Did she write us back? She did. We have a dispatch from her, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have a dispatch. I I, I sent her a uh, an email on election night telling her she was a legend, which she is. And uh, she wrote back. Should we read that now? Yeah. Let's read it now. Oh, yeah. Katie wrote in, it's a pretty great day for sure. Got the final results first on Predict It 2. 
And I was not the only Alaskan I know of to get the results from Predicted. The division of elections was allegedly live streaming, but only if you had Facebook. Local public radio station didn't cut away from national programming to cover the returns. And we were all just sitting around hitting refresh on the newspaper's placeholder story. I was on the phone with my dad when it went to 99 on Predicted, and I started in hollering. He didn't believe me, but damn, that was a sight to see. A lot of people here didn't know if they'd get to see an Alaska Native person in D.C. in their lifetime, but this is what ranked choice is for. Everyone who would have been too scared to believe and bet on their real first choice in a general election gets to have that and their safer choice, too. Lots of rejoicing going around. Long live bit.ly slash give Mary money. If you all remember, uh, that is the bit.ly link that Katie provided us with early on. She writes uh, to finish off, she needs it now more than ever. Thanks for everything. No, thank you, Katie. Right. So Mary Peltola's journey is just beginning because this was the special election to fill out, what was it, Don Young's seat? Yes. She's going to have to turn right around and run again. Yeah. Bit.ly slash give Mary money. And now, of course, Republicans are all all in against ranked choice voting, saying it's too confusing and it's a scam. These Republicans, man, do are we ever going to get tired of their shenanigans? I know. I mean, the, the, look, ranked choice voting is one of these tools that's supposed to help from getting extreme candidates, right or left or otherwise. But, um, you know, Sarah Palin, she didn't even lose because of ranked choice voting. She had fewer votes from the winner before the ranking even started. So oh, I, I'm snap. not sure I understand all that. But Patola, it's just a huge thing for for Democrats to have a a red at large seat filled. It's first time since two thousand and eight uh, in South Dakota, I believe. And and we we control a, b- a bunch of geography, you know, on the map, the map of the the uh, the the House districts. Mm. We like doubled our uh, our our land control because that district is so massive because it's in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. And all you geo-guesser heads out there, I know you like that, right? Yeah, and the Republicans hate that because they love to talk about how much land they control. They love a map with just little blue dots on the coasts and then these vast fields of red. And they say, are you telling me Democrats won this election? Yeah. But now we got a little land. Yeah, we do. What if we could win in the Pacific Ocean? Because that's a massive amount of geography. That would look amazing. Although maybe we already did because the ocean is blue. It's, it's really not. It's clear, but it's a reflection of... I'm talking about what it looks like on maps, John. Oh, okay. Right. Don't yuck my yum. Ugh. Sorry. All I never right. said that out loud before. Though that's the worst... That's the, that's the worst legacy of this godforsaken age we live in. The phrase, don't yuck my yum. Have you ever heard that really? before? People say that. Yeah, I've heard it, but did that, did, that came about recently? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's from the 19th century. I think it's uh, a recent thing. It's like an internet thing. The internet creates a lot of new cultural moments, including videos, memes, and and phrases. And I think one of those is, don't yuck my yum. Like, uh, if you're watching game uh, House of the Dragon and someone was like, that dragon is not what George R. Mar- or I don't know. Who cares? I'm not, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. John, did you watch this big speech that President Joe Biden gave about semi-fascism in Pennsylvania? Yes, I did. What's the deal with this? It sounds like it was very controversial. 
I uh, I will say the first thing I did notice when the speech started is it looked like he was broadcasting from hell. What do you mean? The background was completely red. It just oh. looked ominous. It it was terrifying, and apparently they did that <laughs> to sort of talk about the 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 red maga menace, perhaps. Interesting. That said, uh, he looked and sounded great. I mean, like the best I've seen him sound in years. Uh, just in terms of his delivery and the strength of his voice and all these things that really shouldn't matter, but they do matter. I, I thought the message was, uh, powerful and he looked powerful and particularly cause he had the arm, you know, that the Marines behind him, that, that made him look particularly tough. And I think last week you said you thought maybe he was looking and sounding better because he's got the wind at his back. He passed build back better, or I mean, not build back better, the What's, what are they calling it? Inflation Reduction Act. And then he canceled student debt. You think maybe he had a little swagger to him? Yeah. I mean, it certainly seems like it. Right. Uh, but the speech, yeah, I think there was, um, yeah, some blowback, I guess. People, uh, the it uh, upset, it hurt some feelings. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think the, the, the MAGA Republicans or just the Republicans in general, right-wing media, I think, they thought that it was too forceful and they didn't like being called a danger to the country. Right. Understandable, I guess. Fuck him. But, but I mean, I think he needed to do it. I think he had to give this speech. Why? Why now? You know, there was a lot of discussion about this. Dave Karp uh, was, had a, a big threat on this. And I think he, he, I sort of agree with what he said that they felt like they had to tick this box. They needed to, to get this out sort of before things got too hot politically and that it seemed like it was a real political speech. Before Doug Mastriano became the governor of Pennsylvania and just decided to decide on his own who wins elections in Pennsylvania? Well, yeah, maybe. But just as we're just so into the into the campaign of the midterms uh, that less people would be willing to listen to it. Oh, I see. Uh, so that, it, you know, because... It, just unofficially, Labor Day is sort of the beginning of that campaign towards the midterm. So get this out before that. Or maybe uh, I think that perhaps they are thinking something horrible is going to happen, that they see something on the radar and they want to say that they have at least mentioned that things are bad. Hmm. What are you talking about? I, I don't know talking about like political violence around the midterms? Yeah, perhaps. Although some people theorize that uh, it could be that he knows that Garland is going to indict Trump and he wants to to get ahead of that as well. I'm, hmm. I'm not certain. John, President Joe Biden wasn't the only elder statesman to give a speech in Pennsylvania recently. Former President Donald J. Trump also gave a speech in Pennsylvania at a rally that was for Doug Mastriano and Dr. Oz. Now, what'd you think of that speech? Dare I ask? Did you did you see this speech? Well, no, I don't watch any of these dudes. Yeah, I did. I didn't watch the speech either. I mean, uh, apparently it was a pretty ruckus, and there were a lot more people there than were at Biden's speech. Really? Yeah. Well, he's yeah, still a was... draw. He's still excited. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I heard he complained that Obama was popular, but was dumb. I don't know if he said he was. Dumb. God, Donald Trump must be so mad he didn't get a huge Netflix deal like the Obamas did. Imagine if Netflix offered 
Donald and Melania Trump a Netflix deal like they offered Barack and Michelle Obama a Netflix deal. Yeah. And then they could go on to produce all these documentaries about subjects that captured their interest or inspirational stories about young people across the land. That would be so incredible. Imagine Donald Trump giving notes. Imagine that you're some editor, you're some producer, and you're involved in this <laughs> Donald Trump Netflix documentary. Imagine having to take notes from Donald Trump. Oh my gosh. That just must that must just drive Trump crazy that he didn't get a Netflix deal. But you know, as long as we're talking about Netflix, you know what I want to say? I hope Joe Biden gets I hope Joe Biden's Netflix deal is 20 times bigger than Obama's <laughs> Netflix deal. I'm so into Biden these days and I'm so down on Obama. I hope they I hope they shoot a money cannon at Joe Biden and he's like, "What if we made a documentary about caramel popcorn?" What about that? He's Why are you mad at Obama? Just because he's not. Obama didn't do shit compared to okay, Joe Biden. Okay, you're mad at the Obama, Obama of the past. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I don't know, man. I'm. This is going to sound really bad, but I don't like inspirational stories about individuals overcoming their odds. Like that's the kind of that's like the stock and trade of the Obamas, right? And I know they have some kind of foundation or whatever, but I'm still sore that they shut down their whole. You know, remember when we were all working to get Obama elected and what year was that? 2008. And they had this whole thing called Organizing for America. And it was like this yeah. massive, massive network of people who were ready to do stuff. And then as soon yeah. as they got into office, it got completely shut down. Like, well, we don't need this anymore. We won. Now we'll do things the old fashioned way, top down. Now they're back on Netflix, back on their bullshit, making documentaries about some kid who raised enough money to buy a dinosaur skeleton for the local museum because the government cut funding or whatever. I mean, now in fairness, I have no idea what their documentaries are about. Okay. That's what I assume they're about individuals overcoming. The, and obviously we all want individuals to overcome the odds. And yes, it can be inspiring to see some story about some kid who came from nowhere and made some great change or whatever like that's, but you know, they're so resistant to, Oh, who cares? No one cares what I have to say. I just hope Joe Biden's documentary about caramel popcorn is just like the greatest thing ever. And I hope it's eight episodes and I hope it's all killer, no filler. (laughs) And I I hope people are like, you know what? I never thought I would say this. I could have stood another two hours of that Joe Biden produced documentary about about caramel popcorn. Yeah, it was incredible. That was that was a tight six hours. Caramel popcorn. Is that a thing? Caramel popcorn? What am I thinking of? Is that caramel corn? I guess they just call it caramel corn. What is it? I think you're maybe you're thinking of his run in with that tough, tough guy, popcorn. Corn pop. That guy? Maybe that's corn what it pop. Is. Oh, yeah. Corn, corn pop. pop. Yeah. yeah. That's why I have popcorn in my mind when I think about maybe. Joe Biden and his Netflix deal. Yeah, that would be something. I would, uh, I don't know if I'd watch that. I'm, I'm not watching Obama's either. Yeah. Did you watch any TV this past week? Uh, I watched some college football. Oh, should we talk about that real quick? Beep boop, yeah, beep boop, well, college football update. Beep boop, beep I'll boop. I'll tell you, uh, Carolina. Listeners slowly you, turning up the volume of their podcast, ready to rock to John Kimball. The Carolina, North Carolina football, they always make it interesting. Carolina went into Boone to play App State, big in-state rivalry. Appalachian has, hasn't been a, a Division One football squad for very long, and they were chomping at the bit to champing, chomping, uh, to take on the heels they were favored by a point and a half and carolina immediately was down two touchdowns 21 to 7 Mm. but uh then uh, railed off 38 unanswered points to go wait who did unc did yeah that's like five touchdowns yeah they were they were up 41 to 21 at the uh, beginning of the fourth quarter that's a high score for a college football game isn't it 
Yeah, yeah, it is. And then Appalachian scored seven touchdowns in a row. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, they did. literally but seven they, touchdowns in a row. Yeah, and they had a they had a chance to uh, to. Um, Wait, I'm sorry. That's that's atypical, right? That doesn't usually happen. Is, it is seven atypical. touchdowns. Yeah, what was the score they, like six thousand to twenty million? The final score was sixty three to sixty two. Carolina won because Appalachian uh, failed on a two point conversion to win the game. The guy was wide open. He just uh, quarterback overthrew him. And, is that the highest uh, score ever in a football game? It is the second highest uh, number of points scored in a college football game quarter of all college football. There's only one other quarter where they scored more points and it was they scored one more point. So this is what you were texting me about in a frenzy. Yeah, it was it was was pretty is pretty, pretty exciting. I know that there's been an exciting football game if John Kimball starts sending me statistics about how how, un, how unprecedented and historically yeah, the football Yeah, that, that's what is, I always love. I'm like, is. where does this fit in historically? Right. How does this, have we seen this before? Right. No, no. The answer is we, we've only seen that once before out of 7 million football games. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how exciting was that UNC Appalachian State football game? Oh, it was a 10, definitely. It was 10 out of 10? Yeah, loved it. But I mean, in the end, you couldn't feel good in any way. It was just like you won because the other team screwed up at the end. But, you know, Carol- Carolina won the game. They covered. They they were not they were not expected to win. So, so does this great. mean the football season has started? Yeah, it's football season again. Yeah, LSU oh played uh, Florida State last night in a crazy wild game. Uh, I won't go into that one either, but uh, too. I got a football dispatch from this guy who owns a pizza parlor down in Florida. I might tack that on to the end of the episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. God have mercy on us. Friends and listeners and countrymen and strangers from across the oceans wide, I have an update about the J.D. Vance Billboard Project. All billboards have been purchased. I closed the deal on the final two billboards uh, the Friday right before Labor Day weekend. And a lot of you have donated. And again, I thank you. And we are compiling our list of billboard locations. Now, here's the thing. I couldn't figure out how to automate a mailing list via PayPal. PayPal doesn't work like it did 20 years ago when I used to sell Get Your War on Coffee cups. Something has changed. And I don't know how to make a mailing list where I can reply to everyone all at once who donated and tell them, thank you. And here are where the billboards are. And I apologize for that. I'm just not computer savvy enough. If you've donated to the billboard fund, you're entitled to know the exact location of all the billboards. And if you want to know that, just send an email to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. I don't care if you donated via PayPal or Venmo or Zelle. If you donated, you're entitled to this esoteric knowledge, the location of all billboards. Now, some of you are saying all billboards. Well, exactly how many billboards are there? You'll remember that last week, I think I was bragging and boasting that we had reached five billboards. And I was hoping that we could get to a sixth billboard. And I think I said, even thinking about a seventh billboard seems insane. Well, folks, welcome to the funny farm, because we got seven J.D. Vance billboards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven billboards have been purchased. Thanks to your donations, we have blanketed northern and central Ohio. Yeah, all over. No, we pretty much got the whole state covered. Got them locked down. 
J.D. Vance, you have no chance. You know why. That's the message we're sending on our billboards. And um, yeah, did you make uh, did you make what three words coordinates for all the billboards? Yes, I did. I mean, and it, this was a, this was harder than I thought it was going to be because you had to uh, nail down the exact location of the billboard, yes. right? Yeah. So I have the exact location of uh, these billboards. If you uh, use the what three words uh, geography app, um, I guess we can provide people with these three words for each location and it will take them directly there. So thanks again to everyone who donated. If you're interested in knowing the exact location, write to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And in exchange for your generosity and help with this project, we will send you the coordinates for these seven wonderful billboards. And someone might want to make a pilgrimage to all seven sites. I think it can be done in within a day's, a day's worth of driving. I think it'd be a you lot think? of driving, but I think it could be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mapped it out a couple different ways. It's kind of oh, cool. did you? I think there's a way to drive it where you end up making an infinity symbol, which I thought yeah. was kind of like, that was a powerful um, symbolism for us. I've really had fun uh, researching all of the the locations, uh, you know, the, the towns where they're located and finding, you know, superlatives of, of the towns. I mean, if you made a road trip of it, there's, you know, you could, there's one billboard that's right outside a guitar store. You could go to the guitar store and buy a pedal and then take a photo of the billboard. And then there's another billboard that's right near a drive-in. If you timed it right and you showed up in the evening, mm-hmm. you could catch a drive-in movie, the drive-in movie theater. So are they all up now? The first two are up. The next three are supposed to go up, I think, today. And the final two are supposed to go up, uh, I think, next week. Okay. But yeah, they'll all be up by next week. All seven billboards. J.D. Vance, you have no chance. You know why. Let's just say that if we were Rick Scott putting up these billboards, uh, we might not have been quite so effective because old Rick Scott, senator in Florida had a huge article written about him and his fundraising for the Republican Senatorial Committee in the New York Times this weekend. This article was incredible. This made me realize that we could have been grifting this whole time, John. They raised so much money. They raised $181 million. They have less than $9 million left. And basically, nobody knows where the money is. What's going on here? I mean, you can't take the money with you, right? you got to spend it. Right. I think they spent a lot of money on infrastructure to to get further donations uh, and mailing lists and stuff, but it's not happening. Like, it's not paying off. The investment didn't pay off. Well, that's too bad. They'll probably get plenty of money, but still. They, they were talking about how you get these text messages on your phone if you're on some mailing list, and it says, um, do you support Trump? Reply yes to donate $25. And people would press yes and they would withdraw money from their credit card, from the from the user's credit card, because they had all these credit cards on file. They never said where the money was going. And it's like, it's crazy. They were just like, kind of like, not exactly stealing money from people, but I bet they were alienating some people when they would get a bill, right? Like, yeah. like I all I did was say I supported Donald Trump, and now I have this credit card bill. I said it three times a day. Now I'm getting billed $75 a day by something called the Republican Senatorial Committee. That doesn't have President Trump's name in it. Everyone just trade. Everyone makes money off Trump's name except for us. I mean, maybe we do too because our billboard is, well, not even us. No, 
Nah, we're making money off JD Vance. I mean, we're right. not making money. Right. The billboard company's making money. The billboard company's making money, and I hope that they name us customer of the year. But I, the so the the National Republican Senatorial Committee is making money off Trump. Like Trump gives two shits about them. Trump makes money off Trump. I think Trump still fundraises and nobody knows where that money goes. It's, I think it just sits in a corner. Right. Because no, he hasn't declared for anything, but he can still raise money. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. You know, John, I've been starting to think, I think there's a lot of money involved in big politics. I really do. Uh, yeah. I think you might be right about that. $181 million they raised and they have $9 million, not even $9 million less. Imagine if we had that kind of money. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Oh my gosh. The, yeah. Oh my gosh. And then Rick Scott the whole time was like vacationing in Italy or something. I can't get a handle on this guy. Yeah. He's really unusual he's looking. Yeah, he is an interesting guy. And he's one of those I mean, guys where you look at him and you're like, God, that guy is so handsome. And then you're like, wait a minute. Is he handsome? Really? Also, you I know, he like know. used to run this like chain of hospitals and they had this huge fraud, fraud settlement. It was like one of the biggest settlements ever. $1.7 billion in civil and criminal penalties. Mm-hmm. For healthcare fraud, that's the guy running your hundred plus million dollar fundraising campaign. John, you lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. What? Yes. So he and Aesop's McConnell are, are sort of sniping at each other through the press. Why don't they get Peter Thiel to help them? Apparently, he's balking at at uh, putting in more money. It's interesting to me because J.D. Vance is Peter Thiel's protege and Peter Thiel has some other maniacal protégés out there. But I think Peter Thiel sees himself as a classic venture capitalist. He gives the seed money, but then at some point you have to be self-sustaining. Exactly. He's like, it's not my problem at this point. It's your problem. Oh, I love it. Also, I heard that in this article in New York Times, it says that J.D. Vance and Rick Scott got in a yelling match on a phone call recently. Wow. You know that gif of that kid sitting down on the sofa with his popcorn? That's me when I hear about those two fighting. I would love to hear a, a recording of J.D. Vance just exploding in rage at Rick Scott and Rick Scott turning around saying, you don't know anything. You're just a filthy hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of J.D. Vance phone calls. What? Hi, David. This is Dan from the J.D. Vance campaign. I saw your response to the uh, J.D. Vance for U.S. Senate internship forum. I heard that you were interested, and I just wanted to reach out and introduce myself. If you have any time soon, please give me a call back at 781-7-9. Thanks so much. Looking forward to speaking with you. Folks, it's time for a uh, pedal update. It's been a couple episodes. I think at one point I thrilled our listeners, John, by announcing that I had successfully repaired that Wawa pedal that I found on the sidewalk. And I know that in these troubling times, we're desperate for any little bit of good news. And of course, I was I was happy and blessed to share that good news with you folks. But on the other hand, we can't live in denial. For every sunny day, there's a dark, stormy night, right? It's the yin and the yang. It's the It's the push and pull of reality. Some days you're happy, and then some days you're sad, and some days you have good news to share, and some days you have, well, less than good news to share. And so it's with a heavy heart, but a sense of real integrity and honesty and openness and transparency that I'm going to share with my listeners now, or I should say, John, our listeners, some of the somewhat less than triumphant pedal news that's been a part of my life recently. And the first is that I tried to build a clone of the DS1 Boss Distortion pedal. 
and this has been a really disappointing project and it's not working correctly. And it doesn't help that the company I bought it from has not replied to my four or five email messages I have sent them, my desperate pleading to know what the fuck kind of capacitor I'm supposed to put in this one little slot on the circuit board. So I made an executive decision to put a 75 PF capacitor in the slot that called for a 100 PF capacitor. The pedal seems to work until I turn the tone and distortion knobs past noon and then the whole thing stops working. I haven't the foggiest fucking idea what's wrong with this pedal, but I'm extremely... Are you laughing at me? No, no. Are you mocking me? No, I'm not mocking. Okay. It's, it's, it's interesting to see <laughs> yeah? struggle. The struggle is real, John. Yeah, that's a saying that, that uh, was on the internet. Yeah, the struggle is real. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, this pedal's been a real disappointment. And whenever something doesn't go exactly as planned, I don't know I don't know how you other pedal builders out there feel, but you know, like you, if you make one that works, you feel like Albert Einstein, you just feel like the greatest genius of all time. And then if you put one together and it doesn't work, you just feel like such a failure. Is that what imposter syndrome is? You just feel like such yep. a huge failure. Then you get like depressed for days. It's really bad. Anyway, that's the dark side of the pedal business, my friends. It's not all sunshine and sweet guitar tones. Sometimes you build a pedal and when you turn the knob up past a certain point, it just, you can't hear anything anymore. I don't understand what that is. Anyway, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Well, how do you get to the bottom of it? You go to, to Reddit pedals? I mean, there is a DIY subreddit on pedals that I look at sometimes. It's called uh, Reddit slash R slash DIY pedals. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be, uh, through a through a through a podcast listener, I've been hooked up with a guy who's been acting as sort of a private consultant, which has been very nice. He helped me with a compressor that was confusing me. Uh, and I realized it wasn't that the compressor didn't work. When I plugged it in with the guitar, it actually did work. It was just that the little synth I was using to test it. I think that line out was so hot that when I turned on the compressor, it made it quieter rather than louder. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to talk about this anymore. It makes me too agitated. Some days I think I'm smart and some days I think I'm dumb. Can anyone relate to that? Can you relate to that? Oh, yeah. Some days you feel good and some days you feel bad. Does anyone Mm -hmm. else have that? What's that called? Human reality? I think it was imposter syndrome. Is that imposter syndrome? Why hasn't anyone made a spaghetti restaurant called imposter syndrome? Why hasn't anyone done that? Doesn't that just seem like such a great thing to do? Yeah. 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 You just thought of that? Yeah. It's brilliant. You're pretty smart. Probably a lot of people have thought of that before. See, I'm such an idiot. I can't even think of anything for the first time ahead of everyone else. I pro- That's probably the mustiest old joke from like 20 years ago. Everyone's already made it. Here, I thought it was so clever saying it. Why has anyone made a spaghetti restaurant called imposter syndrome? Everyone's like, this motherfucker doesn't even know that went viral on Twitter 60 years ago. Anyway. All right. Hey, what can you do? Put on your hat and keep walking. Yeah. Take the L and keep moving. Right. Right? Yeah. Whitney writes in, Hey, David and John. Firstly, I ran my second half marathon recently. I started the race off listening to EPM and I managed to place in my age category. Wait, did we read this last week or mention it last week? I don't know. I feel like we didn't read it, but we congratulated her, but I might have cut it from the episode. So you want me to go? Whitney, we can't remember if we congratulated you on your half marathon last week. But if we didn't, we congratulate you this week. How about that? Now we have all our bases covered. All right. All right. Good job, Whitney. And thank you for listening. 
Joe writes in, With all the talk recently about starships, we built this city, and what the titular city is, I've been waiting for one of y'all to bring up P.D. Pablo's 2001 absolute banger, Raise Up, which would seem to combine three of your guys' passions, North Carolina geography, chart-topping hits, and city-based remixes. In case this North Carolina-based gangster rap anthem didn't make it onto your radar somehow, it's known for the chorus, North Carolina, come on and raise up, take your shirt off, twist it round your hen, spin it like a helicopter. It's Isn't it spinning round your head? I always thought it was head, but maybe it is hair, but I don't know. The video was filmed in and around East Raleigh, and I think Wikipedia does a fine job of summarizing the gist of the song. Quote, according to P.D. Pablo, the premise of the song to the outside listener is simple in the nature that North Carolina towns are being named. Each town name in the song is a location for a North Carolina prison, stated Pablo. John should at least be familiar with the tune because the UNC band plays it at football games. Yes, I am quite familiar with it. It is a absolute banger. Mm-hmm. It's a famous song. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, I love that all of the songs are pretty much down East towns. They're like towns that are East of I-95. It's like Kenston and Franklinton and, and Johnston County. I think he mentions Triangle at some point, but it doesn't specifically mention Raleigh or Durham or Chapel Hill or Greensboro, Winston-Salem or Charlotte or anything like that. It's all these tiny towns down East. And then he mentioned Statesville. Statesville, which is a town that's like 30 miles north of Charlotte. That's the one that doesn't quite fit, but I guess huh. there that's is That's the westernmost a... town that P.D. Pablo mentions? Yes. I assume he doesn't mention Boone or Blowing Rock or Asheville or any no, mountain towns. No, Brevard, he doesn't mention? No, no. Lake Toxaway? Lake Toxaway or Hendersonville or uh, Murphy. Shout out to Watauga County. Um, so, oh yeah, the, 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 the email continues. But after the original North Carolina version topped the chart, an all-cities remix was released, where other city and state names were poorly ADR'd into the chorus over North Carolina to make it more catchy to other radio markets. Okay, I haven't listened to that yet. I assume that's a mess. Did you listen to it? I did listen to it, and I didn't like it because, you know, it's about North Carolina. It's, I don't know if it's a mess. It's, it's, it's fine. Okay. It, it's fine. I could see where they were going with it. And, and I, obviously I don't think that was ever really that popular because I've never heard that version. But then he writes, and finally he did a USA theme remix, which was released after 9-11. Goodness USA, <laughs> come on and raise up, take the flag, <laughs> put it in the air, spin it like a helicopter. Uh. Focusing on cities that have large military bases and a lot of cringy lyrics about looking for bin Laden and how our time has come, etc. Wait, our time has come? Like chickens have come home to roost or bin Laden's time has come? Your time uh, has maybe come. Maybe our time has come to like raise up. To be strong and get revenge and fight for freedom. And that one was incredible. <laughs> what if it was like our time has come? Justice has been served. <laughs> the chickens have come home to roost. Raise up the white flag of surrender and spin it around like a helicopter. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'd never heard of that, but it was the, it's on PD Pablo's official YouTube channel. And according to the, the notes, it was released on 9-11, which cannot be true. Uh, but if it was, that is extra incredible. 
man, 9-11. Remember all that stuff? Yeah. A lot of, there were a lot of intense cultural reactions to 9-11. But there are a lot of like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes the past can come back into your mind in the form of memories, and then you can just get lost in these thoughts about yesteryear. That's, that's what I think. I just remembered that for all this talk that we've been having over the last few weeks, this running discourse about people changing song lyrics for local radio markets, um, my former employer, Maxim Magazine, used to do the same thing, and it was around the same era. I used to be a freelance fact checker at Maxim Magazine. It was my first job after moving to New York City, the big city. <laughs> and one year they were doing a special issue and I think it was like the best cities in America, like top 50 cities in America or something. And they depending geographically on where the magazine was going to be distributed, they changed what the number one city was to flatter that market. So they had multiple editions of the magazine that were printed, I guess locally at different printing presses that served geographic regions. So like if you were in Colorado, you would get an issue of a maxim that said Denver's the best city in America. But if you were on the East Coast, you'd get one that said New York is the best city in America. I can't remember how many different cities they did. You are I mean, that seemed okay, so you're not saying that they put Denver on the cover, because like Sports Illustrated would do, you know, the top ten basketball teams, and depending on the market your team might be on the cover, even if it's not the number one team. But they did not change the ranking. No, I think they just changed the ranking. I think they wrote different copies somehow or rearranged in the, I think what's known as the well of the magazine, like the insides of the magazine, the guts yeah, of the magazine. like fraud. What? It's like you have besmirched the integrity of the yeah. internationally yeah, yeah. recognized city yeah. ranking system yes. for beer guzzlers. I don't yeah, know. that's fraud. Anyway, a lot of interesting things happened at that magazine. And um, our post 9-11 issue was a real celebration of America. It was very patriotic. And I remember later that Felix Dennis, who was this British madman who had founded Maxim and Stuff Magazine and FHM Magazine, I think he started Lad, what were known as Lad Mags. And then he came to America and, and started the American editions. He thought that he, <laughs> he once sent an all staff email saying that he thought the post 9-11 issue of Maxim Magazine was the greatest issue of any magazine ever produced. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> All they did was put some woman in a American flag bikini on the cover and say, we're going to bomb the shit out of Afghanistan. I don't think it's that amazing, but maybe it was. Who can remember? It was a different time. We can't judge. We can't judge people from the past using the standards of today. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, maybe he was using amazing as in amazing. Oh, he was rolling his eyes. Yeah, because that, that is kind of amazing. I guess so. Yeah, this P.D. Pablo remix is amazing. Yeah, and I would say that in some level it is the greatest song ever recorded. The single greatest song ever recorded, the P.D. Pablo America Raise Up remix. Mm -hmm. Would you like it played at your funeral, John? <laughs> That'd be normal. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you gotta. I mean, we should love it because Helicopter Tony spin it around like a helicopter. I mean, this yeah. is this is right. This is right in our wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Maybe we should get really into Petey Pablo. I do have some acapellas of his. That freak a leak acapella is pretty good acapella for mashups. Maybe we'll have some Petey Pablo in the future on this podcast. I wonder if we could interview him. I wonder if he's endorsed Sherry Beasley. Let me see. Petey Pablo um, endorsements. Maybe. Petey Pablo endorsements. Here we go. An article in the New Republic from 2008. The Petey Pablo primary. 
I realize a P.D. Pablo endorsement would probably carry too much baggage to make it worth a politician's while, but you'd think that Hillary Obama would have the good sense to play Raise Up, the greatest song ever to rhyme Keenansville and Statesville at their campaign rallies in North Carolina. Interesting. So someone's already been thinking about the political ramifications of P.D. Pablo in North Carolina politics, and that was written some 14 years ago. My God, my God. The past and the future, the twain shall never meet, but we delight in both of them. We delight, John, in the wisdom that we can receive from the past and the anxiety and delight that can be produced by dreaming of the future. And yet we're stuck here in the present, which is like the worst of both worlds. Because the present is just this fleeting moment that doesn't mean anything to anybody yet. I'm going to rank the three time periods. Number one, the past. That'll always be number one. Number two, the future. And then way, way down low in the list is number three, the present. People are like, I like to stay focused in the present. Oh, come on. There's not shit going on right now. Right. There's nothing happening in the present. You want to have fun? Think about a flying spaceship that can go all the way to Jupiter and have a laser gun battle with an alien. That could happen in the future, and that's really cool. You want to stimulate your mind? Think about what it would have been like to have been a knight on a horse fighting a dragon in the past. No. And you get to see Joan of Arc in real life and really talk to her and get her autograph. Yeah. That's exciting, too. But in the present... Yes, I'm going to log on to my computer and and look at the weather. Shut up. You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. No. You're, I have uh, to go buy more paper towels for my kitchen that I cook in. That's the present. That's like, that's present 101. Does anyone know what time the bus is coming? My car broke down. <laughs> right. Right. Come on. Yeah. Wow, that was an interesting episode. We had our Labor Day vacation and then we came back hot. I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not sure we covered every single topic that we should have covered, but we covered enough to have fun and John as always it was great to see you and talk to you. And to all our listeners, it was great to know that all our words and wisdom are going straight from our minds into your minds. The connection has never been stronger and we thank you for listening uh, to our podcast Election Profit Makers. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Please rate and review us wherever. Thank you. Please rate and review us wherever. With a fine five-star rating, would be that would help us find more listeners as we approach the midterms. Yeah. All right. Bye. Oh, goodbye. I go to my mom's every... Uh every week to watch football and she makes some food and uh we really have a good time my father-in-law goes and uh my sister sometimes my friend eddie and we get a good meal watch some ball watch gator football this week she made beef stew and biscuits and chocolate pie and uh, it was a really good game we played the utah utes ranked number seven in the country gators aren't ranked at all we have a brand new coach nobody know what to expect and uh, it was a really close game, back and forth the whole game. But somehow the Gators get down there with two minutes and they score. Beautiful play, beautiful play. You should have seen that fake, then another fake, then they throw it to a guy who's just standing in the end zone. He just catches it, puts it under his arm. One of the most beautiful plays. And then, but there's two minutes left. In Utah, they can move that ball. They run 10, 12 yards every time they had the ball. They were just moving and grooving. Sure enough, get down the field. 
it's uh first and goal or actually it's probably like third and goal on the uh on the six yard line and uh they had a couple chances they missed 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 uh some attempts but really they should have just done a quarterback sneak or thrown or run it in because they were just their running game was phenomenal on the six yard line they could have just easily run it in but they decided to throw it and it was an interception gator guy dove for it and caught that thing and uh the place went wild the swamp went wild Ninety thousand seven hundred ninety-nine fans just went nuts and uh it was a great game uh, Gators, number one.